podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Violette de Ayala, a mother to three humans, one non-human, and with Steve for over 27 years. Violette is a motivational speaker, small business expert, plus mindset and wealth coach and international best-selling author. She launched her first business at the age of 22 and has not looked back. As a social and serial entrepreneur with an obsession for business growth, Violette is seasoned in the rocky road of self-employment and understands the challenges and obstacles women face when creating their own vision of success. Her latest passion led her in creating one of the fastest-growing international business organizations for women, FemCity. Violette de Ayala is also the author of The Self-Guided Guru, Life Lessons for the Everyday Human, which is an international Amazon bestseller, top 50 in the U.S. and top 10 in Canada for self-help and spirituality. She has been quoted in Success, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Money, U.S. News, Fast Company, Ladders, CNBC, Yahoo Small Business, Business Insider News as a business expert, also quoted in Marie Claire and featured in Bare Minerals' Women We Love series seen in featured campaigns in People, In Style, Real Simple magazines, and many other influential arenas. She hosts Fem City TV plus Fem City Podcast. Violette's website is violettedeayala.com. Here is the interview with Violette de Ayala. In your own words, who is Violette de Ayala? Someone that was born to help other women create and design their life based on their own definition of success and wealth. What is success to you? What does it mean to be successful? I think to me, the definition of being successful means that you create your life based on passion and service and community for others and finding the balance to incorporate those moments of happiness, joy, and wellness. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, the self-guided guru, life lessons from the everyday human, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. What does it mean to be a human being to you, Violet? I would define that as a spiritual being encased in a physical realm that's connected to this universe and also to a spiritual side of the divine. Yeah, I love the way you connect the human experience to the spiritual. 
part of ourselves. So perhaps there's just this spirit and I have to explore that with you. So let me go to those questions first then. Um, What is spirituality to you? Spirituality to me is really the connection that I have that's personal and intimate to the universe or spirit or God. You know, so many of us have different ways of labeling that presence in our life. But for me, it's really just that connectivity and how I can connect with it throughout my day in moments of challenges and moments of trying to find clarity or get grounded. It is that guiding force that connects with my internal presence that makes it so that my alignment is connected to what I believe is my destiny. Is that a practice or an understanding? I think it started as a practice and then eventually the practice became more and more in the everyday and then eventually it becomes part of my every thought, you know? So you start, you start connecting with through meditation or some people start connecting with yoga or maybe even just stepping outside and, and feeling the grace of the sunshine on your skin, right? So there's those moments also that can connect us to something that's greater within ourselves. And then eventually we conduct ourselves in that space. And the, and the goal I would feel is that it becomes more and more of our every breath so that eventually we have that level of grace around us all the time, sharing love to others, you know, finding ways that we can be of service. And then eventually it becomes your life and the way that you just are, your, your human being presence. It just encapsulates the two beautifully, right? So that they're connected. I call it a life inspired by love. Mm-hmm. I guess. Love that too. Yeah. What is life to you? What is this? Not what it's about, but what is this experience? Well, I think that for me, when I look at life, I look at it as in different levels. I believe that I've, I mean, I believe in reincarnation. I believe that we're here again. And I feel like every time that we have the opportunity to be here, whether you believe in reincarnation or you don't, your time here on earth is part of a path that aligns you to being of service to others. And so if we connect it back to that always, then our acts should always be geared towards love and helping others to either find love or be more connected to love, which then of course is connected to the divine as well. So it's kind of like this loop that we try to perfect ourselves every time to be better humans, to be better spiritually so the outside casings can actually, you know, help others on their, on their own path. Yeah. I love that, Violet. I love your answer and I love your wisdom already. (laughs) And we just got started. (laughs) So my follow-up question for that one, what is life, is what do you think is the opposite of life? I think the opposite of life is going through your day unintentionally and without purpose, right? So you just, you clock in, you clock out. It's more robotic. It's more taking up space on earth without honoring and cherishing the details around you, the people that are around you. It's kind of just like taking what you can but not really giving back um, what you've taken. So I think, you know, you see that often where people, and I think sometimes that connects to anxiety, it connects to uh, dissatisfaction with life is because you're just, you're living life without thought. And this is something that you talk in your book about purpose and intention. There's a lot of great topics. I chose some here to explore. But speaking of purpose, do you believe all of us have this unique purpose or we share a grand ultimate purpose? I think that's a combination of both. I think that individually we have a purpose and then collectively it all meets together. 
it's almost like every single person's energy impacts the others. And so we're all really connected. I mean, even when we, we talk about what we're going through now, I mean, it's, it's apparent how we are so connected, right? With things that are, you know, across the sea and it's impacting, you know, people in Miami and Toronto and around the world. So we're all connected. And so even though we have our own individual paths and our own individual, um, you know, beauty and talents that we bring to the world to help others, it's collectively, it should all be collectively geared towards making the world a better place. So speaking of individual talents, how do we find our talents? And maybe the other question is, why does it take so long to find what our gifts are? I love that question. I think it takes so long for us to find our gifts because we, we're constantly looking to see what other people are doing and what other people are saying. And so we kind of start thinking that that's our story and that's how we should be showing up in the world. And really it's looking within to see when we look at like what our superhero talents are, it's what comes naturally to us. What are those gifts that were given to us? And generally we can find those by looking around to see what we, what naturally comes to us in a passion, right? Like I love, uh, for instance, if someone was a yoga instructor, I love, you know, sharing the practice of yoga or meditation. And then often we can get the confirmation from the universe through others when they ask of these things from us, right? So if you are someone who practices meditation and perhaps your superhero talent is to help others practice meditation, then that would be asked of you often, right? Oh, could you help me, Violet, with my meditation? Or you're so good at that. Could you help me? So often it's something that's already, that's something that we're in love with and that we do naturally, that we love. Perhaps we've gone to school for it also. So you have that kind of other reconfirmation and then you have people asking you of that. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's true. It made me think about fitness training. I used to be a fitness competitor and so much into fitness and so many people admired that, being fit. And they would ask me so many questions. I became a personal trainer and all that. But it was not really something that was making me happy and fulfilled at that time. I discovered that it was perhaps the purpose for that moment. So I'm wondering if we have... Um, different purposes throughout life, and the, it keeps changing. Absolutely. Um, so it's the soulful evolution, right? So we, just like when we're physical little children and we're learning how to walk, and then we learn how to run, and then we learn how to do simple math. So as we look at the physical forms of humans and how that evolves, for whatever reason, we feel like that can't happen spiritually or emotionally or through our purpose. And so the same thing holds true is that what you were passionate about or what your purpose was 10 years ago may have guided you, geared you towards a next kind of that evolution of yourself into now, okay, I'm doing this now. And I, perhaps you wouldn't have been able to do the current if it wasn't for the 10 years ago kind of activity. So it's all connected, but absolutely, we are constantly evolving. And I think, again, going back to if you don't evolve, if you don't naturally um, awaken and say, you know what, this no longer serves me, this no longer fills my cup, uh, what does now? Oh, I know. Now, you know, it's this. And so that is what makes you, I believe, humans happy is to follow that connectivity. But if you don't, if you're looking at other people, if you're kind of still stagnant, if you have just, you know, thinking that you have to be in this forever, that's not true. I mean, our physical form reminds us of that. So true. Life itself, right, Violet? It's always changing and evolving. That's so true. Why not the spiritual and the emotional? I have two questions here that relate to being a female in a human body. What do you love the most about being a woman? 
I believe that we have a talent of connecting with others in a profound way through our emotions, through our conversation. I mean, I obviously, I created a women's networking group and I can see that, you know, I can see women connecting in so many different ways and offering, they, they just are so naturally giving and want to help and want to be of service. I mean, I, I look at even like teachers, for the most part, most of our teachers are female. Why is that the case? Because they just, they want to serve. It's something about their, their beings, their presence is that they just, they enjoy making a difference and it comes naturally to them and they, and they follow through with it. So um, I think that that's just something that we have that we just, you know, even today reading an article, like, you know, women were these moms, you know, did this amazing thing in, in Portland. And it's just like, it's always geared towards, you know, women are the ones that I feel that step up and think about service, think about helping others, think about being a part of helping the world to be a better place. And my other question is, what is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's <laughs> the <whole. list. laughs> Exactly. I mean, it's unfortunate, but I think that we're still, you know, I have two daughters. I have, I have three children. I have a son who's 26 and then a, a 20-year-old and a 14-year-old. And I think that the the challenges of being a female in today's world are, are pretty much the same as when I was younger. And, you know, we're not viewed in the same light. We don't earn the same. We don't, we're not valued. I mean, even just, you know, going car shopping this past weekend with my husband, you know, not being spoken to. They're speaking to my husband, even though it's my money that's going to be, you know, leasing the car. So I think it's just that there they're every day, every day. And I, and I compare when my son was getting ready to go to college and then my daughter was getting ready to college, like the, even the conversations we had were so different, you know, having the conversation of, you know, go to the bathroom with a girlfriend, watch whatever, you know, watch your drink, uh, make sure that you see the bottle being open. I mean, just like these conversations that I never had with my son, it really made it so that it was disturbing to see that just even today, it's just not, the world is not a fair place for women. Do you think this is changing somehow, somewhat? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's, you know, we're becoming more vocalized about it. And I think the important part is that men are also starting to see the disparity and we need their voices to be our advocates. And so, you know, through our sons and through our husbands and our fathers and our uncles and our best friends that are, are male, that when they speak out and say, this isn't right, you know, this should be this way, that's really where change happens when, when groups support others and they advocate verbally, you know, applying pressure, saying that, listen, you know, I know this to be true. That always helps uh, people that are, you know, kind of the underdogs. And so I, I see more of that. I see more men becoming vocal about, you know, the differences, the lack of equality. And that I think is really what's making a difference. Mm, I like the female qualities of being so wise and empathetic and working together with the community, with everyone as one thing, one big family <laughs> in our separating. I just love the point you made about men supporting women in uh, trying to go with the idea of division. Yeah, because I think a lot of times, like when we talk about feminism, it's not that I feel like I'm more valuable in this world, right? So it's not the conversation like I'm better than you. The conversation is I, I just want to be equal to you. You know, I want to have the same opportunities and be viewed in a respectful way like you are. And so when we think about it in those terms of like, 
well, they just want to be equal. You know, it's not a matter of being superior. I don't think it's ever healthy for someone to say, I am more special than you, right? right? I am more valuable than you because then that's that's going down a different path of, of not having a healthy community or not coming from a, a part of love. You know, when, when we talk about it, does it, is it fear-based or is it love-based? That's definitely a fear-based mentality to think that you're superior to other people. But really just to say, you know, this person's not being valued as an equal and I want them to be at the table. You know, I value them and their and their feedback. And the same for men, you know, value their, how do you handle this situation? I, I want to learn from that. So I think that that's where the harmony sometimes disconnects. Yeah, that's true, Violet. I love this point too about value. There's no one better than the other. We're just different. It's the idea that we're supposed to be the same, equal, that equal doesn't kind of resonate because we are different. We are innate differently. We're not the same. So, yeah, I would love to hear from you about that. The equal word doesn't resonate for me. I'd like to add that it's it's that we all have equal value, but that doesn't mean that we're all the same. So we all have different talents and different beauty that we bring to this world. And I think that when we talk about equality, it's recognizing that you you have different strengths than I do. And just because you have different strengths doesn't mean that you're not as valuable. And so when you come across it from that perspective, it's not to say, I want all these people to bow down to me. You know, that's not, we're talking about everyone should be at the same place. You know, like we all have the same opportunity. Now at that point, you have the option to rise to the occasion, to work harder or whatever it is, but um, at least to have the ability to say, I have worth and you have worth. And I bring things to the table and you bring other things that are to the table. I mean, there's that wealth mindset says everyone has value. Everyone brings enough to the table, um, but at least give them the opportunity to do that. But I'm against any kind of culture thinking process that says that I'm better you know, that's not, that's not, again, going back to love-based or fear-based. That's not, that doesn't come from love. It doesn't come from the divine. That's true. I agree. My next question is about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? I think to be free is to, to live your life in the way that you can do what you want to do and um, benefiting the world, right? So you have the choices, you have the decisions to bounded by. You don't have any self-limiting beliefs or beliefs that other people have given you. I mean, I think liberation is really just being who you are, being true to who you are and showing up in the world in that casing. That's what I think liberation means to me. Yeah, I love that. True. So let me ask a question about the current situation. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? I think what I see in the world is, um, you know, when I see the hostility and I see anger and, and by the way, it can be on just social media posts also, right? So you see a lot of people showing up and I think a lot of people are showing up very angry. Um, it comes back to, they just want to be seen and heard, you know, and, and when humans don't feel like they're being seen or heard or listened to, or, um, I think that that's where that anger comes from. It's like, look at me, you know, see me, validate me. And then it gets worse because then it goes again, then people react in the opposite, right? They either fight or they use angry words or ugly words or hateful words. And then it kind of, it makes it so that the communication, that connectivity no longer exists. And I really try to encourage people to really do their best to listen to others and try to respond from a place of love. Because if everyone were to just stop 
and say, I'm going to just respond from a place of love and understanding that maybe then the communication, that conversation wouldn't be so hateful. You know, wouldn't be so angry. We'd find that if you can look for the commonalities, if you just say, you know what, let's just find something in common. What's that thing that we have in common? And then from that build, I think the world would be a better place. I agree a thousand percent. (laughs) Yes. My last warm-up question, what is your idea and understanding of inner peace? I think the, I would say I found inner peace for myself. I'll just use myself as as an example. I found inner peace when I just, I forgave myself for the decisions I made in the past, for the situations I put myself into, for the errors, the failures, like, you know, just embracing them and saying, it's a part of my fiber. It's a part of my evolution. It's a part of my path. And it was necessary in order for me to have the clarity that I have now. So I think that that internal peace comes from just releasing, um, surrendering to the pain and, and, you know, what life gave you that you may not have been really so much in love with. And just recognizing that that's the past and today something new and and just forgiving, you know, the the idea of like replaying stories in your head or the things that people have said to you or the situations and the mistakes. I mean, just replaying that, that does nothing, doesn't really aid in your development and your evolution. So it's best just to kind of process it and take out what the parts that were beneficial to your evolution and then release it and just, you know, kind of surrender to that. Because if you're having thoughts that don't elevate you, then they're not helpful. Mm, right. I love that word, surrender. What a wonderful word. I know, I love it too. Yeah. How did you become a writer, Violet? <laughs> so I never envisioned myself as a writer. And I, I truly believe that sometimes our path is um, shared to us by others. And so for a while, a lot of women in our community asked of me to write a book, right? At first it started with write a business book, Violet. It should be a business book, you know? And so I, I did, I drafted it up. I read through it. I didn't, it didn't resonate with me. It didn't feel like me. I didn't feel like it was beneficial. And so I kind of scratched that. And I thought, well, maybe that was the exercise just to kind of draft it. And then more people asked, Violet, you should write a book. And so I went back and I, you know, wrote it again, another kind of version, more personal and then I reviewed it and again, wasn't a fan of it. And finally, after you know, people asking me again, I thought to myself, let me just write it the way that I speak and the stories that I've already been sharing. Because if people are asking me to write it, then it must mean that they like the stories that I'm sharing in the voice that I'm using. And so it turned out to be a spiritual self-help book and sharing 10 of my biggest life lessons and kind of how I went through that through those stories in my, in my life. And, um, I thought to myself, if one person buys the book, it would be worth it. You know, just one person that would be impacted in a great way. And then of course it went into being a bestseller and all, and it, and it's just been beautiful. It's been a beautiful process and gift and definitely was not easy, but I'm happy with the way it turned out. Yes, me too. (laughs) I have some points here that I wrote some questions that you've raised. This is so powerful. So let me see. I have to ask you this question first. Why and how did you choose to become an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I started, <laughs> I started uh, my entrepreneurial life at the age of 22 because I had my first child at that age. And I didn't want, 
I didn't want him to have the same life that I had, which meant, you know, in school until nighttime, um, you know, making my own lunches and my own dinners. I'm spending a lot of my life by myself, you know, getting home by myself and, and kind of until like the wee hours until my parents would come home from, from work. I didn't want that for him. And so really when I had him, I, I really felt like I didn't have any other choice. I mean, I knew that if I started my own business, if I was an entrepreneur, then I would be able to dictate my hours and I would be able to dictate the amount of money I wanted to make, what I wanted to do, and I could be there for him. And so that's really what started. And um, I did go back and forth. So, you know, when I was 22 years old, I did that for a while. I had a personal training company. And then um, I got into, you know, doing events for a corporation. And then I started going into real estate because my stepfather was in real estate and he really wanted me to take over his business. And so I, I would hop around in kind of like corporate settings, but I always went back to being an entrepreneur. And, and, and I don't think I could be anything else at this point. Honestly, it's, it's, um, and I enjoy inspiring others to do the same. You know, I, I truly believe even as women, if you're raising children, it's really a great, um, selection if you're looking at having balance and also wealth, you know, dictated by, by what you put into it. Mm, right. That also makes me think about creativity, this opportunity to be creative, creating your own life, your own experience. Wonderful. So you pose this very interesting question in your book that I'll be asking you the question. You say, what makes us look within and embrace the need to evolve? So that's my question to you. I mean, I think that question comes to me every time I'm feeling like I've outgrown my space and that there's more that I can do. You know, so I think that that's a question that that didn't come up just one time. I think it came up many times. You know, I, I was talking earlier and I was sharing a, a story. I remember being in my late 20s and I remember not being happy with the way my life was looking. And I remember having, like asking that question and, and realizing that I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I envisioned my life to be. And, and then accepting the parts that I have to evolve. You know, that in order to see where I am, even though it's comfortable, it wasn't what I envisioned. It wasn't really what I... And so what does that take? What does that mean? And so I think that as we evolve, and a lot of times we think, well, I've evolved, I'm done, you know? Right. But yeah. the reality is that it's, it's a continuous um, process. I mean, we should be evolving until our last gasps of air, you know, as we exit this world. There should always be that we're learning. We're striving to be better humans. We're looking to see how we can connect with others to make their life better. You know, how do I share more love? How do I honor other people? I mean, it's just a constant, you know, how can I be better? That's just starting from there. I think that 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 question for me was so enriched with different layers. Mm, Yeah. And that makes me think about destination because I hear a lot this idea of getting somewhere and staying there, like this happy place, a happy life of exploring your full potential, the, being fulfilled. So I wonder if there is a moment in our lives where we feel that we are there. I think so. I think that there are moments where we, we feel like we've arrived. And I think that what happens sometimes if you are truly evolved, that space doesn't hold true for too long. Because then you see Wow, I can do more, right? I can, I can, I can write another book, or I can write, I can host another podcast episode or a series, or so. I think that when, when we get there, yeah, it feels great, 
and it's good to honor that and embrace it and feel it and, and just, you know, love on it. But the truth is, is that if you're on this journey and you recognize that, you know, this is your destiny is your path, then you probably will get to a point, maybe months down the line, maybe years down the line, maybe the next day, you know, where you say, um, there's more, there's more, I I can, I want to reach that next level. And then of course you go through that grueling process and then you get there and then that's also rewarding, right? You went through all this fear. You went, you did all these scary things and then you arrived and it feels really great. And then you do it again, you know? So (laughs) I think that that's, um, and that's healthy. You want, you want to be able to, you know, be the best that you can be when we're, when we are our best, it inspires others to also be at their best. And it also gives them the permission to continue to strive. Why would we, why would we settle on being mediocre just because we got to one point of just being very joyous? I mean, um, we should strive to, to continue to be of great impact. Yeah. Sounds fun to me, this idea of creating, right? Because life is about creation. So why not? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Let's talk about some of the topics in your book. The first one had to be this one, healing. What is another word for healing? I think surrendering, I mean, you and I both love that word. I think surrendering is another form of healing because that's what we're really doing. You know, we're just, we're, we're looking at that story or that scenario or that situation. And um, in order to heal from it, we have to surrender, which means we have no control over it. It happened. We're releasing it. And then, and then you grab the things that will aid you into becoming whole again, repairing those like little holes that were taken. Uh, you know, replenishing that and then, and then moving on. So I think that the surrendering part is, you know, instead of fighting it and kind of replaying them over and over in your head and, you know, getting upset with yourself and all that stuff. I mean, that's no good. That doesn't benefit you in your evolution, that it's best to just, you know, take some time, meditate on it, go through that scenario, find the pieces that helped you with whatever that was. I mean, maybe there's nothing that helped you and then just releasing it and saying, you know what, that doesn't define me. That moment does not define me, does not say who I am in today. And then just letting it go. Yeah. And I'm wondering, when do we know, how do we know the difference between letting go, surrender, and giving up? I think the giving up one is the one that is the the nugget that I want to pull out. Because I think that the giving up means that you're releasing your path, your destiny, your greatness. You know, I think that it's not giving up is, is just really just saying, I don't have value in this world anymore. And I think that that's, that's the difference for me. I think, you know, the healing and have healed and surrendering, I think those are all action based, you know, like where you're still, you still recognize the beauty within yourself. But I think that when we get to the other point, I, I think it, for me, it sounds, um, more final. Yeah, it does sound somewhat heavy <laughs> and negative, <laughs> right? Super, yeah. Because the surrendering, surrender sounds so uplifting. Yeah, it's like just giving something up for something new to come in. Right. It, that sounds like that, right, Violet? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you're in control still of the, of the story. You still have a say in it. You're still, you know, anyway. Yeah, it feels lighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels lighter, right? And forgiveness, this is a, such a powerful topic and a healing tool. So my question is, do we need to forgive ourselves first or people and life itself after, or they happen simultaneously? And also another question is, is forgiveness a 
decision, a moment in time, or a practice for life in a way? I think it's a practice because we're always going to be in that state of forgiving others, whether it's, you know, someone in your past, but, you know, you've forgiven them, but then you, you might likely, you most likely will come across somebody else that needs forgiving, you know? And I think for myself, you know, when you ask the question of like, do we figure of ourselves first or do we forgive that person? For me, it's always kind of gone hand in hand. Um, when I think about forgiveness, I think about the situation with my mother and, you know, she was a drug addict. She suffered from mental illness. There's abuse there as well. And when I started becoming more aware of the anger I was holding, I started realizing I needed to forgive. And so part of that started with her, right? So I started kind of like, I forgive. She did the best that she could with what she had. I forgive her because, you know, she had the mental illness, that she had an addiction problem. So you start started kind of processing that, which took some time, by the way. It wasn't like I read this chapter and boom, I'm fixed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so right. it definitely takes some time. It took many years. And, but once I, I kind of went through that process, I started recognizing that there was still anger and I had to kind of dive in a little bit and say, why, why am I still having this anger? You know, I've released all this. And that's where the forgiveness about myself, right? So I held on to the hopes of her becoming a mother, like we see in the movies and we read in books and we see other people having. And, and you know, I, I put so much into that relationship and could I have changed things? Could I have, you know, had her go into rehab or, you know, hot? So you go through all those kind of, so I think it's, for me, it always was based on forgiving that person and then recognizing that I still had some issues and then I need to forgive myself. And, um, and so the two worked hand in hand, kind of like a seesaw, you know, back yeah. and forth. Yeah. That made me think about unconditional self-love. Do you believe that that's possible? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we always, you know, we need to have that in our lives. And I think that for some reason, we feel like we have to be our really big, big, bad critics, you know, and we have to be so hard on ourselves and really, um, we should be talking to ourselves. Like we were our best friends, you know, would a best friend allow you to speak so harshly? Would your best friend allow you to, you know, judge and, and put yourself down. And so when we think about best friends, we think of someone who believes in us, who's someone who supports us no matter what, who, who cheers us on, who's our biggest advocate. Well, that's what our conversations should be internally. We should be having that. And so when we don't, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that area then. Because if you don't love yourself in that magnitude of 100% of pure self-love, then, then you're putting off that energy in the world. Who else will? You know, if you can't do that for yourself, then who else will? So um, I think that should, we should strive for that. We should strive to always be kind to ourselves. And, um, and then again, it gives permission to other people to, to see us not putting ourselves down, right? Because we usually just do that out loud. Oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> stupid. Or, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. Oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> you know, we say those out loud and then people then take that on as their own wording. And it kind of becomes, you know, then everyone's doing that. But imagine if we did it the opposite and said, you know what? That was so silly of me, but whatever, I'll move on. You know, if we start saying those things out loud, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be like Valeria. I'm going to be like Violet where they just... You know, life happens, but they don't judge themselves. They're not harsh on themselves. They love themselves. They accept, yeah, it didn't go the way I wanted it to, but whatever. You know, um, then it gives other people that conversation for them to hold on to them for themselves. Yeah. Instead of holding those voices in our heads, we just could speak them out loud so we can listen to them and people around us right. too. I love that idea. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great method. And I also love the worksheet you have after every 
lesson, life lesson. I call them, I even put a name here, healing worksheet. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that we are able to express ourselves. And you ask these amazing, wonderful questions so that makes us think. And I also love what you have there after every life lesson at the end. You have this personal mantra template. So we can create our own too. But the ones you have, they're so powerful. Oh, thank you. I love that. It's so positive, everything. Oh, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to me for a moment about clarity. I love that word too, and this idea of being clear. Yeah, I think a lot of times humans, they don't know which way to go, whether it's work-related or personal or, you know, financially. Like we just, we get so caught into the noise and that staticness of the world. And so we lose that connectivity. For me, I find that I find clarity when I step outside and I just take a couple deep breaths. I have the sun kind of cascading on my face and it reminds me of just like everything can be still. Let me just reconnect to to my higher being, right? Whether you, again, you call it God or universe or spirit or Jesus, like whatever words come to mind. But I think when you have that connection to clarity, it makes you create better solutions in your life. You make better choices as well. You know, sometimes you hear people say, I had the best idea when I was in the shower. Mm -hmm. You know, why does that happen? Because there's nothing around you and you're able to connect and and figure out what's the best way for you to move forward um, next time. What's that choice that you need to make? How are you going to solve that problem at work? How are you going to help your friend? You only find that clarity when you are listening to that internal guide that you have. And that to me is what clarity is all about. And a lot of times we get stuck in in kind of just moving every day without clarity. And then we wake up and we're like, how did I get here? (laughs) You know, but, um, and by the way, it's super uncomfortable to, I remember when I started really working on my clarity and and connecting, it was very uncomfortable. I had all sorts of random thoughts (laughs) and all sorts of stories that were playing. And, um, it was very noisy in my mind. So if you are starting to do that, whether it's through meditation or just being still or just kind of breathing, sometimes you have all of these thoughts that kind of race through your mind, just allow them to race through. And just like, you know, eventually they'll start kind of simmering away. And and then that connectivity comes so that you have that better clarity. So you can guide your life based on who you are and what your goals are. So I wanted to ask you the question about balance. Do we get there or this is something that we work on every single day? Oh, we work on it every single day. <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, the balance for me came, I, I uh, was not someone that was filled with balance on, you know, like I was the opposite. I, I overcommitted. I said yes to everything. I was, you know, chairing all sorts of different positions on board of director roles here in Miami. And I, um, I started having health issues. I started, you know, having high blood pressure, having, um, you know, some anxiety pains. I started, you know, not being able to sleep. I was then pre-diabetic. It it was just a whole circle of just my body crying out and saying, you are far away from being balanced. This is not healthy. And, um, I, I didn't know how to even find balance. You know, I, I kept buying books and reading books and watching things and trying to get tips. And I couldn't figure out what it was because there's some mixed messaging out there, right? So women can have it all and women can do everything and women can do it all. And so you have all those. So I kind of felt like I had to, I had to do all these things. And really when I started doing the exercises and started practicing the balancing aspect of my life, I started looking to see like, where, 
what's really fatiguing me? What's really you know, exhausting me? What, what no longer serves me? Right. What no longer is in alignment? So you start having those questions asked and then you start responding and then you start releasing those things and saying no, you know, and, and, and even going through that practice of saying, no, this, is, this no longer aligns with me. This no longer fills my cup. This no longer brings me joy and releasing that. And then you can start kind of trying to find that balance in your life. And, and in the book, I go into really looking at your life in three bubbles. And so you have your wellness, you have your um, wealth, and then you have your happiness. And those should all be connected in a balanced form. So, um, you know, sometimes you see someone who is in great shape physically, they're like working out the gym all the time. Their happiness bubble is also really filled because they're always out with their friends at happy hours and parties. But then their wealth bubble is is out of whack. You know, they owe a lot of money. They can't pay for their bills. They don't know how they're going to make ends meet. And so when you look at your life with those three bubbles, it really helps to figure out what needs attention in your life. And, And going back to that question that you asked is that, you know, it's a practice because sometimes we have no choice but you know, perhaps your, your wellness is out the window, right? You haven't been able to take care of yourself. You're eating, you know, garbage because you're under stress. And, um, every day it's just, you know, where do I need to realign? Where do I need to like focus on so that I can be in that kind of perfect state of balance between those three bubbles? Mm. Wow. That makes so much sense to me. It makes me think about self-awareness, self-knowledge, and what you mentioned, uh, spiritual guidance, listening to the voice, within us, that intuition. So all that might be connected with finding balance in a way. I would love for you to talk to me about the uh, poverty mindset versus the wealth mindset and also the money guide. That's another topic. Yeah. So so really when we talk about poverty mindset and wealth mindset, they're two different, much like we talked about earlier, you know, does it come from a, a love um, or does it come from fear? And so um, the same thing happens with the wealth mindset and the poverty mindset. So a poverty mindset is someone who looks at the world in the ways of lack, right? So I can't, I won't, it'll never. So those kinds of words are those that are common with people that have a poverty mindset. And those that have a wealth mindset look at life differently. They look at life as it's it's in their favor, you know, that the world is just going to really help them and work on their behalf. And so they look at the world as I can, I will, I will always. And so, um, you know, it's really interesting that sometimes people that are in their poverty mindset, you know, they don't share, they don't want to help others. They, they hold on to the things that they have because it's all they have. Um, they don't invest in themselves. They, they don't invest in others either. And so that's more of that poverty mindset. When you talk about wealth mindset, you know, they, they believe in others. They believe in themselves. They invest in themselves. They invest in others. And um, those, those two different mindsets can really dictate the way your life is currently or how it will be in the future. And you can change those by by seeing which one you're in and then like you mentioned earlier being more self-aware you know reviewing the words that you're saying to yourself and the money guide is a is a practice that I love to share when you're looking at making that shift from a poverty mindset to a wealth mindset is that um, you know to go ahead and create a journal you can repurpose one or you can buy an expensive one for a couple of dollars it doesn't have to be anything fancy and creating that as your money guide and the idea is that as you look around, 
you write down the random pennies that you find on the floor or the dime you found in a pocket or the dollar bill in a purse or um, a gift certificate that someone gave you or flowers that a neighbor brought over to you. So if you start to write down everything that's coming into your life that is either the tangible money or even the opportunities, the people that we meet, you will start seeing all the wealth around you and then you'll start looking for it more. And as we know, the things that we think about come about. So the more we start looking for money, the more we start honoring the money, we start respecting the money, we start thinking about money, then it starts making those shifts in our mind when then all of a sudden we start kind of getting into that groove of being more connected to wealth. And so that's a great exercise in the book that, that um, I did for myself when I was kind of going through that shift of changing from a poverty mindset to a wealth mindset. That sounds powerful to me, this idea of attention. Yeah, just um, being aware of what we are giving attention to. And also gratitude, right, Violet? It's so powerful to think that way. That uh, sounds uh, like a wealth, uh, like you call it, a mindset, being grateful for everything. There's so many great subjects and topics. We don't have time to go through all of them, but you have a section on health and then self-love, which we talked for a moment, love itself, relationships, faith. Do you want to talk for a moment about faith? I would love to hear. I know you're connected to surrender too, which is powerful. But yeah, for a moment, I'd like to hear about faith. What is your idea of faith? Yeah, my idea of faith is um, kind of what we chatted about earlier also is that that connection that the world is working in my favor. And um, I think sometimes I see people that think that they are people of faith because they read certain books or, you know, they attend a certain amount of, you know, mass or Sunday services. And the truth is when you have faith, you understand that it's part of your journey and that you're aligned to God and you're aligned to his work or her work. And I think faith really means that you trust in the everyday and that you understand that good things will happen and bad things will happen. And, that, and that's part of the journey, right? In order to see the good, we have to sometimes see the bad. Sure. So we have that contrast. So I think for me, that chapter was really important because um, I share a story, a personal story in that chapter about, you know, our youngest child um, having some issues when I was pregnant with her and, and going through the process of like, you know, what does this mean? And connecting it to surrendering and saying, you know what, if she's going to be born with these issues, if she's, you know, not going to make it because of these issues, but I'm going to, we're going to surrender to it and just believe that it will all work out the way that God intends it to work out. You know, I just have that. So even though it's painful and it's horrible and it's scary and I, you know, I cried and going through all these emotions is that true faith recognizes that I believe in the power of good and I believe that it will work out in my favor, whatever that may be. No resistance, no fear, no fight. And that word faith, I know you mentioned trust and believe. Do you also connect hope to faith? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love the word hope. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Um, I think I would probably do <laughs> more inspirational <laughs> videos. I would probably, um, I would try to knock out as many videos to, to continue to live on, to inspire others, to, to live their, their life the way that they want. Yeah. That sounds like a wonderful project, ongoing project. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the last question, what are three things about life that you know for sure as of now? 
three things I know about life as of now. I Life is beautiful. Life works in my favor. And life is to, you know, live purposely and intentionally. Mm, true. A thousand times true. Thank you so much for your presence. I love listening to you. Thank you. Violet. Thank you so much for having me. And my final question is, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Sure. You can connect with us over at femcity.com. Or personally, you can go ahead and follow me every single social media platform. It's at Violet de Ayala. You can also go to de Ayala, violetdeayala.com as well. But um, let me know if there's any way that I can help you on your journey. Thank you so much again, Violet. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Violette de Ayala and her work, please visit violettedeayala.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.